0: Hey everyone, this is Noor, and we're back for the summer season of the Radical Contemporary Podcast with Inertia and Egypt's Entrepreneur Awards, also known as the EEAs, bringing you some of the most influential, pioneering, and powerful minds in the country to take us through how they managed to achieve success and to strive for greatness.
1: Honestly, I would say more, I'm in the business of life more than I'm in a creative industry.
0: In this episode, I speak to brand architect Amir Fayo, the brains behind concept stores Maison 69 and Villa Babushka, as well as his latest brand, One True Find. We speak about moving from architecture and designing buildings to building brands and offering strategic services that allow entrepreneurs to realize their wildest branding dreams. Amir coined the term brand architect in New York City and brought the concept to Cairo. We discussed the idea of living in the now, building a life, not just a brand, and finally, what it takes to capture your true self within a brand and not just stay authentic, but stay real.
1: It was not a title that was hanging around and I borrowed it. We actually came up with it. I said, I want to be about brands and I'm an architect. Let's call myself a brand architect because no one else in New York City has that title then.
0: And now to my conversation with... Amir. Right now I'm speaking to Amir Fayou and to be perfectly honest and I've heard of your work from several different people in the creative industry whether it was from Maison 69 or whether it was well recently one true fine but we'll talk about all of these things but mainly I've heard of your work as a brand architect kind of helping different brands Shape their aesthetic and their strategy and their communication to the consumer. so the, my first question to you actually is, what got you started in the creative industries like as, a, as an art, as an artist really?
1: Honestly, I don't think I'm in a creative industry. <laughs> I, I, oh. I believe I am, I'm in the life industry. Right. I've met a lot of very interesting creative people, and I don't think I fit the mold of, because I believe the power of creativity is imagination and creating something that's not around you. But I, I think I function through another channel. I'm more, I'm more interested in creating moments to people. I'm more interested to create perception for things. I'm more interested to create a meaningful value for something that you usually buy. So yeah. I come from a place. So I I would, honestly, I would say more, I'm in the business of life more than I'm in a creative industry.
0: So what does if the word lifestyle mean <laughs> to you? Like, it totally actually makes sense, Yanni. So when someone talks to you about like lifestyle brands, does this have any meaning for you in specific?
1: You know, I think, I think the, the word lifestyle brands start popping for the last 10, 12 years. Around brands want to expand their portfolio by not just by being about one product or one service, and that terminology start trending the lifestyle. Um, I again, I would, I have no issues with the word lifestyle, but I think there is more value in understanding what does that mean. I think if a if a brand is is selling a certain kind of product, that product have a certain equity or certain association. Yes, if that association. Translated in different touch points or different products, then I believe the word lifestyle can make sense or they can own that platform that allows them to be a chocolate bar company and a shampoo at the same time.
0: Yeah. So it needs to be more than a product or a service. It needs to have some sort of like longevity after that. So I wanted to ask you, what was your first muse or an artist or... Uh, an object, or anything that really inspired
1: you? You know, I, I grew up in the UK and uh, I studied architecture. And I was a lousy architect. I, <laughs> I, 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 I hated it. I didn't like it. So in my summer vacations, I would work in retail stores. That's how my relation to retail started as a summer job. As a student at that time, your only option was either to work in an architect office or in a retail store or a restaurant I didn't want to but, work in a restaurant
0: but why did you hate architecture I, I wasn't good an
1: architect <laughs> I had the ideas but I couldn't execute them through my sense of pencil so right. it was always a challenge and uh, I wanted to make the ideas happen way quicker than spending hours on 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 a, on a drawing board
0: okay so they so were very that, practical like and you had to literally draw everything out and
1: this i wanted to come up with the idea that someone else will execute it i didn't want to be part of the execution technical process.
0: i love that
1: yes yes okay so when so, i started working in retailer year in in my summer vacations i started working at retail stores in london and one of the first stores i worked at was a store called joseph and that store was owned by an english guy from i believe a moroccan heritage And his story always fascinated me because he started his career as hairdresser and he created that empire of multi-brand stores in London. At that time, I'm talking about the 90s, he was like the pioneer of multi-brand stores in London. So So wait, when you
0: say multi-brand, when you say multi-brand store, it's like these like stores that we now call concept stores, right? Like it has more than one thing in it. Well, it was all clothing.
1: uh, It was all clothing. But it was selected brands from different parts of the world that okay. created a different location that's what other stores were selling. And at that time, he was unique in that offering. And he was kind of someone I'm looking up to. Like, how do you do that? Because honestly, yeah. I was always in the retail and the space experience more than fashion itself. Fashion actually never clicked with me as, as the key to what I do but i was okay. always lucky because working in retail re, working retail and working retail of fashion or home or design you learn a lot about life and people
0: definitely definitely so you would say he was like a mentor
1: at that time when i started i was nobody so i didn't even get the chance to talk to him <laughs> he was he was the one in mean, articles in magazines he would come to the store maybe once every week to say hi to everyone and uh, at that point I
0: was literally no one <laughs> but so, I was still so wait, I have a question so did you you were you were attracted not by the like not by the brands in the store, but by the experience of the no, store
1: I was attracted to his smartness that he started as a hairdresser coming from Algeria or Morocco, and through there he understood what these women were missing or what was not in London yeah, and he came. Yeah, of that store, and that for me was the exciting part. How did he manage to bring all these things together with little means in the beginning? Because at that time I was seventeen years old. What do I know? So it was my space of learning that was first store. Then I worked in Benetton. I worked in Emporio Armani. Every summer I would work in a certain brand, and I learned more and more about what brand means and what retail means and what value you can create in a certain environment. Because all these brands, when I used to start working as a kid, they would give me a job in the warehouse first. So my okay. first week and every job, always the warehouse. And I was very frustrated. I want to be in the nice environment of the store. Why do yeah. you put me in the warehouse week? And they tell me, you need to learn what we have. When you have okay. it under the spotlight, it is sexy already. You need to see it before it becomes sexy. Yes, and the material you can understand, how do you talk about it, and so on. So, that was my early days of learning, which I appreciate, and I admire everyone who taught me something at that time.
0: Interesting. So, you started on a path to be an architect, you went into working yeah. in retail, and then absorbing the environment of all of these brands. Ba'a, how did you come together with the term brand architect? Because this is a term that a lot of people may not still understand. I mean, we have people who communicate brands, we have designers, we have architects. A brand architect is someone who builds brand, no?
1: Honestly, it's a title I came up with in 2010. When I moved to New York City, I used to call myself a creative strategist. And every yes. email I send to <laughs> yes, yes. clients with the title of a creative strategist, no one replied. For four months, I send emails right, left, and center. And no one would reply. And then I realized because they think I'm in the advertising industry and there's a million people doing what I do under that title in New York City. Yes. So I reached business coach and I said, I have the expertise to build businesses because I'm an entrepreneur. I have the expertise to create voice for brands. I have the expertise to create experiences for brands. I have the, exper- the expertise to do product development and to do business development. How can I package this under one umbrella? And she said, never say that because no one will believe you. No one will be interested to deal with you. But let's come up with a title that you don't know what it is. And this is how life plays a very interesting role. Because I was an architect, I can put the word architect on my business card because in the U.S., if you don't have the degree, illegally you cannot put the word on your card.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: It was not a title that was hanging around and I borrowed it. We actually came up with it. I said, I want to be about brands. And I'm an architect. Let's call myself a brand architect because no one else in New York City has that title then. Right. Legally, they cannot have it. I started through the title of brand architect, delivering these services, creating a positioning for a brand, creating a perception for a product, creating a value for an idea, creating an experience for a space. But what all matters that they should deliver a meaning by the end of the day, a clear meaning to people that they say, why do I want that? Or why do yeah. I want to be part of that? Or why do I love that?
0: Okay, so this is how you came up with the with the title or the term. And I went through your website, and it's actually a very interesting website because you're very careful with the words that you use, right? So you write yeah. on your website that a brand needs to earn attention now, not like gain attention, right? So why do you say that in this specific day
1: and age? Because for the last 10 years, we all have phones in our hands and we see the world and we see the perception that everyone wants us to see. You see a fantastic photo, you see a fantastic house, you see so many things. But where is the reality in that? How many times people saw places on Instagram and they went to the place and they were very disappointed? Yeah. You know, that's becoming like an everyday story. Power of photography can create an unreality. Yeah. So with the power of advertising and the power of creativity and the power of our directors, there could be a bit of misleading tonality of I'm perceiving th- something that is not real. So in my approach, I say, I think it's as important to create a beautiful image or to create a beautiful art direction or a cool ad. It should deliver reality. And this is how you really own attention this right. is really how you earn it
0: it's interesting because these days brands on social media they're doing a strategy now where they delete all of their past content and start again and i feel like it's coming from a place of lack yeah. of authenticity you know like lahoa let's start again because everyone realizes now what's fake and what's real so we need to refresh sort of thing no
1: I'm, i know it's a great it's a great that you're sharing that with me because it confirms one thing. Mm. We all have life. And we all have years of our lives behind us. Can we delete them? No. <laughs> but they are real. But on a phone, you can do that.
0: <laughs> exactly. And that's, yani, masalan, uh, the weekend, he's a musician. He deleted all of his content and started again. So zero posts. Same with uh, Kylie Jenner, masalan. Yani, it's yeah. interesting because what you're saying is, it's kind of an authenticity problem. Like, how can we be authentic now? Like, how can you make the consumer believe you, you know?
1: And funny enough, authenticity is, it is something that comes in our DNA. When we all come to life, the first thing what we do is what green, right? Yes. <laughs> for the first year <laughs> of our life, we're as authentic as possible because it is what we know. But for a reason... Growing up through life experiences, people lose that authenticity. But I believe we're in time and age where people are not... Even the word authenticity is becoming a bit cliche to me. I'll be honest with you because everyone is talking about it. Right. What I would actually talk about is more real. What matters to be real. To be real, to be transparent, to be capable of conveying truth. Right. Because this is where a lot of brands and a lot of people are lost between what's real and what's not and what's real truth and what's not.
0: That's a very good point. Um, so I want to ask you, so what was a project that you worked on recently that you really, really enjoyed and are very proud of?
1: You know, I don't do to sound a bit funny by saying, oh, I love everything I did, blah, 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 blah.
0: <laughs> I know that's but fine.
1: <laughs> I learned one thing. Whatever I do, it doesn't become a project for a reason. Because I'm doing it with other humans. I'm doing it with other people who have ideas and big dreams. And I become a tool to bring their ideas to life. I become a tool to bring even their business to reality. So it became a continuous story to me. You know, it became all moments that leads to other moments. It became ideas that leads to other ideas. But of course, there are big ideas and there are smaller ones and there are middle ones. So if I share with you, I would tell you doing the public hotel in New York and the experience of the retail store and the experience of the public areas was an amazing experience because it was not only about me. It was about all the talents that did plug in to that narrative and took it to the next level. And that was a very interesting experience. On the other hand, I worked as well with a jewelry brand uh, recently in New York called Orate. And their whole premise is that they deliver to you the face value of gold, gold for its weight. And uh, so all these people, they add to me as much as I added to them because they all came up up with ideas. Recently, we did a brand of our own called One True Find. And One True Find was a very interesting uh, insight. I had a friend of mine, actually, he was renovating his house. And every time we go I was helping out in selecting a few items. And every time we go to a furniture store, it was a very boring experience. It was all very random, very mass, or very luxurious things. There was nothing a bit personal. There was nothing yes. pushing the limit, making something even have a story. Nothing had a story. Everything was there, whether it looked good or horrible, but they were just objects. And I said, you know what? Home is a very personal space. At least every piece should have a story. Maybe the story of where you bought it. Maybe the story of who made it. Yeah. And with that thought, let's find local artisans. Let's find local craft people to create interesting environments. I didn't want to create the best sofa possible. I didn't want to create the most amazing chair. Because that's not my forte. I would leave that to the good product designers. But my forte is to create environments and to create moments that people would like to live or to be part of. And with that thought, we designed all the products using local craftsmen, local artisans, and with tons of collaborations with different talented people that contributed to the brand of One True Find.
0: I loved One True Find. When I walked into Maison 69 the other day, I found every product very interesting, from like the salad spoons to the little cuff. Every piece was just interesting to look at, to touch the materials. Why did you call it One to Find?
1: Good question. I think the name came from the idea of, you know, in Arabic when you say "an Yes. Or, Aywa,
0: Aywa.
1: <laughs> so I was brainstorming with a friend of mine who the one who was buying his pieces for his house. And I said, you know what? The challenge in all the stores, we cannot find something special. We cannot yes. find something and say this word to it. And from that thought, the idea of one true find came to life. Everyone said it's a very long name. It's not an easy to recognize or to remember. <laughs> I, I said, but that that's what a one true find is. It's not something you walk in McDonald's and you find. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. Yes, I can relate. When I called my brand radical, everyone was like, why this word? Nobody understands. And now you find this word being used everywhere. It just means being different or pushing a boundary exactly. or an envelope or whatever you want to call it, but people understand it eventually. You know, if you wanna research it, you can and you get the definition and you you feel it. I think I went in and I really felt like this is these are little pieces that you can take and, and talk to your guests about them. They'll come over, pop out. It's actually very cool. We're taking a break from the conversation to tell you a little bit more about Inertia, a community-driven developer. Inertia is focused on supporting entrepreneurship, cultivating culture, honoring the arts, empowering sports, and building an infrastructure that allows for seamless travel. Their latest development, Jafara, is set to be Egypt's first year-round beach town. For more information on Inertia's developments, call one nine six five five or visit their Instagram page at Inertia Egypt. And now back to my conversation with Amir. So I want to ask you something. So you you founded um, Maison 69, which when it opened, I remember clearly because I had moved back from Jeddah in that that time. And um, it was like the first store in Egypt where it was so experiential and there were so many installations and then also pieces and items and clothing. And did you ever think that maybe it would be intimidating for a consumer that doesn't understand this like level of visual, like sensory experience?
1: I'll be honest with you, we wanted to create a home. The inspiration for design was always what what a home, what a home means where you are at most comfort, most yourself. And I said, I want to create a store that can allow people to be themselves. So let's create a home, but let's create a conceptual home so we can trigger people to react. So not to react to the products we sell, but to react to the environment we create, to react to the idea of having changing rooms made of 100-year-old doors. Right. And, and in, in the design of the store when we came to the manufacturing, we didn't buy anything ready from any supplier. Everything in that store was manufactured by a local artisan.
0: Like art, like art installation.
1: Like everything, honestly, even the simple clothing hanger, we manufactured it. We didn't want to buy anything that is already manufactured in a big factory. And, and, and that, that, I think what brings a very special feeling to that space, because everything is so handmade, and everything is a human energy that made it. So people feel that. Of course, the aesthetic adds a lot and the installation and the feeling stimulate the eye. But I believe there is a higher feeling that comes from that space because everything was not mass produced.
0: Yeah, and you can sense it from how unique each and every aspect of the space really is. So another question I have for you is, what is a moment in your career that was very difficult? an experience or a project or an interaction that is like an obstacle that you went through?
1: I think there there's two points on that line of thought I would share. With, my, with clients, I think the most challenging is how can you bring their vision to life? How can you bring their dream to a success story? Because by the end of the day, I'm only a tool. I deliver strategy, I deliver document, I deliver branding, but they have to bring it to life. So it has always been a challenging moment every time I talk to a new client. I want to make sure they're capable because I learned from my career, I can talk to many people and every single human has a great idea, by the way. Everyone has a great idea, but very few people can bring it to life. And that's what creates an entrepreneur versus the one who just has an idea that talks about. So that has always been a challenging moment because I'm in the business of creating brands and concepts to clients. So when do I say yes and when do I say no? Because sometimes I don't want to say yes and get paid for something that's not going to come to life. And sometimes yes. I don't want to say no for a business knocking on my door and I'm wondering are they the right ones to bring it to life or not? So that's for sure on my service and Amir Fayo as a brand architect that has always, that's always been a challenge I have every day. On my own businesses it is the challenge where you have a vision and you try to bring it to a physical space. Because when I design spaces and when I create spaces, I never do renderings. I never do 3D. Okay. Part of it, I want myself and my team to get surprised. We love that moment. You know, like we had a vision, we had an idea, we had a few mood boards, but we never do 3D rendering. To it's actually
0: very the interesting. Business. That's the first time I hear that.
1: We did that process of non-3D rendering in all our businesses, like in Maison 69, in Villa Babushka, and One True Find, and recently in Baskota, We never do renderings. We just keep on dreaming and visualizing till it comes to life. And that becomes the surprise.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, Victoria Beckham, when she designs clothing, she just uses the material and puts it on the mannequin and never does sketches. Interesting. I wanted to actually ask you now, um, so how has being an entrepreneur changed the course of your career? Like you could have just chosen to work at a company as a brand architect, but you chose the entrepreneur route.
1: But, But Nora, as I said, when I was 17 years old and doing summer jobs, I didn't know any better. So when I was 20 years old and I opened my first store, the only thing I knew is I liked retail. I opened my first store. So I'll be very honest with you. I'm not one of the people who had a career change in the middle and I I was having a full-time job and then I dropped it and I became an entrepreneur. I became an entrepreneur at the age of 20 and didn't even know the word then. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) All what I knew, I wanted to open a store and I call it 69 and that's where I want to bring interesting things that people did not see before. That's how the story started. The big change is happened in 2010 when I decided to move from being an entrepreneur, owning my own businesses, to be an entrepreneur and selling services to other entrepreneurs and creating ideas and creating brands for other clients. That was the big turning moment because really it it changed the dynamics of everything. I became a tool for other people versus me creating a space for myself, more strategies for other people's ideas than creating a strategy for my own idea. And that was the big shift in 2010. When I moved to New York, and I shifted to the career of being a brand architect.
0: Interesting. So basically, it's kind of something that happened very organically in your life. Like you didn't decide to be an entrepreneur, but it came that way. And then eventually, you not only have your own businesses, but you also offer this these services as sorts of your company as Amir Fayo. So, yes. I, want to, so I want to ask you, so what's a piece of art or furniture or object or like a one true find of yours It can be more than one that you cherish dearly, like that you love so much that you can think of.
1: You know what? It's very funny. It's very funny that I'm a person about aesthetics and I like environments and I like things. But honestly, my favorite thing that I bought in the last 10 years was a hand, a ceramic hand that, you know, it's doing a sign language that says, I love you. And I found that hand in TG Maxx in New York for $5. Oh my God. <laughs> and I, I love so much because it felt like finding a treasure in the middle of a bin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: my that. Color, it's the white hand that's creating the gesture of I love you in the sign language.
0: Amazing. Okay, so this is a question that you... You didn't like it, but I like it because it's the one that I like to ask all my uh, <laughs> all my guests. But I want to know what's next for you as Amir, not as a brand architect or as the founder, creator of One True Find and Maison 69, etc. What are you thinking of these days?
1: I'll be very honest with you. I was gifted with one thing. A kid's mind. A kid never planned anything doesn't even know that sense <laughs> of what's next. I swear, I don't even know what I'm going to do after having this call with you. I don't have meetings today, so or I'm not planning to do any specific thing. So I, I really don't have anything to say what's next because Mm-mm. I just mm. go as, as the light leads me. I just follow what comes my way and if someone asked me two days ago, are you going to be doing a podcast? I would have said no. But here I am, I'm doing that.
0: That's very true, actually. I agree with you. Yeah. No, I love that. So, so you're more of like a live in the now sort of person.
1: I, I would even make it even more simpler than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I seek easy. Whatever that means or whatever form create out of that word is.
0: Nice. I like that a lot. That's actually a first <laughs> answer. <No. laughs> I think easy. I love it. Thank you so much. This was awesome. God, Thank you very, very much.
1: And please, next time you're around, say hi.
0: Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe give us a review, shoot me a text, or direct message us on Instagram at Radical Contemporary, where we'd love to hear your feedback and the topics you'd like to listen to. Also, you can check out our website, www.radicalcontemporary.com, where all of our content is available. Finally, we'll be hosting a new guest every week, so stay tuned.